one of the probably most common topics that churches around the United States like to talk about is the topic of faith. We enjoy to talk about that subject because in reality, there's a lot of different opinions on what that means. What does that word faith mean? I could say faith and say that if I were to close my eyes and walk forward on this stage, I have faith that I'm not going to walk off. A blind leap in the dark. I have no idea what's going to happen the farther I get. I have no idea what's going to happen beyond that point, but I call that faith. That's a modern day definition, right? A lot of people like that definition and try to use it. On the other hand, there's some who almost treat faith like it's not even a thing. And we say that, well, everything is purely based on what I can touch, taste, feel, smell, etc. And the reality is neither of those definitions are correct. Neither of those definitions truly encapsulate what it means to have faith, to understand what faith is. And due to that, due to that misunderstanding, due to the fact that so many people have not really gotten down into what that term really means, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of mistakes that have been made. So this evening, I would like us to start, and really, even though we go through this sermon tonight, we're not going to dig into every single detail, but maybe this will give us a better idea of what this term faith really means. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, the Hebrew writer gives us a definition of this word. He says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when we talk about this idea of faith and understand what it is, the first thing is it's a form of evidence. It's a form of evidence. I'm not going to do something in this terminology of faith without knowing what it is I'm about to get into. For instance, this evening, we all came together, we all got dressed, we all showed up to this building, we all drove that distance. You know what we could have been doing? We could have been taking a Sunday afternoon nap and kept it going. That's what we could have been doing. But why are we here? Because we have faith in what we're supposed to be doing. See, faith motivates the actions that we do. It motivates every aspect of our lives. Without it, what would be the purpose? Now, what are the things that I have faith in? You see, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So what... That kind of sounds like that blind leap in the dark, right? I walk by faith and not by sight. The reality is what God is telling us there is that, yes, there is evidence, but evidence is not everything. It's not everything. There are some aspects that we have trust in. Can you tell me about heaven? Have you been there? Can you take a picture of it and show it to me? So why do I have faith in it? Why do I have faith that that exists? Because God's Word tells me about it. God's Word gives me a distraction or a description about it. Excuse me, not a distraction. Description of it. Now, if I am a follower of God's Word, if I'm a student of God's Word, I can find that there's evidence to prove that this book is true. I can find evidence throughout all of history and prophecy and understanding that this book is true. So if this book is true based on evidence, then I can trust that what it says about heaven is also true. You see, I have faith that what it is telling me is true. And based upon that faith, that understanding, first of all, see that oftentimes people mistake the word faith for belief. See, belief is accepting something is true. It's accepting its fact. I believe 
that this stage is here. Why? I can feel it. It's fact. I can't make that up. The stage is here. I'm standing on it. But belief is not the same thing as faith because faith is belief motivated to action. It is belief motivated to action. I can accept that this stage is here and I can still come running down this auditorium and smack into it. I can still make that choice. Now, if I, be, if I have faith that this podium is here, this stage is here, what am I going to do? I'm going to step up to it. I'm not going to run into it. It motivates and it changes my actions accordingly. Similar to what we were talking about here. See, that term walking by faith, not by sight, what does this term walk mean? Walking, it's my actions in life. It's how I live my daily life. Another terminology that's, or another term that's used in the King James Bible is that of conversation. My walk, my conversation, my lifestyle, my, the way that I act in every aspect. That is guided by my faith. Remember this morning we talked about keeping God as the primary, keeping God in the forefront of our minds? That's what Jonah did not do. Jonah didn't put God as the highest source and said, he said, my opinion, my attitude is the highest source. And based upon that, he chose to do what he did. See, his faith and understanding of God motivated his actions. He understood who God was and what he could do. And so as a result of that, he didn't want it done. He did not want God to save the city of Nineveh. So what does he do? He flees. He leaves. He avoids what God told him to do. See, it's not possible for mankind alone to guide our own steps. Jeremiah 10, 23 tells us that. It's not the man that walketh to direct his own steps. Want a good example of this? Look at, Ameri or look at any history, really. It's not just American history. Look at all history. When mankind decides to run its own existence and decides that everything is for them to decide, it gets pretty chaotic. It gets pretty crazy when people decide that they just want to do whatever they want to do. During the end of World War I, a large group in Europe decided now was the time to come into the light. And as a result of these movements that came out, there were three major branches that came into the world's stage. One was anarchism, the other was fascism, and the other was communism. They had been waiting for a time to come out, and the turmoil that was caused by World War I gave them that opportunity. And you know what every single one of those have in common? They love chaos. They love chaos. Because when there's chaos, who do you look to? Who do you go to to take care of your problems if your authority is against you? Who do you go to when you can't trust your neighbor? then they can come on the stage and present themselves to be the hero. They can present themselves to be who they are claiming to be. When man decides to make his own decisions and live according to his own lifestyle, that's what we get, is chaos. We get problems. Why? Because the Bible's a revolutionary book. It tells us to do things that the world does not. For instance, the Bible tells us that we are to love our neighbor even as ourselves. What does the world tell you? Do what's best for you. You get the leg ahead. You do what's important for you. Don't care about everyone else. You can step on them to get ahead. What else does it tell us? To help the weak? 
to help the needy, to care for those who cannot care for themselves. That's not something the world likes to tell us. They may claim it to be so, but we see the practical uses of what they decide to do. We have faith in this book because it's different than what the world will give us. One thing that was interesting to me, there was a man who I was listening to. He was preaching a sermon at Polishing the Pulpit. And this man was from Iraq. He actually served in Saddam Hussein's Republican Guard and fought against the United States during that war. He said after the war was over, he was walking through the streets one day in Baghdad. He had been working with a construction company there. And he was walking down the streets and he came across the Gospel of John. And he started reading it. A few weeks later, he came across the Gospel of Matthew. And then Mark. He said it kind of surprised him how many of the books of the Bible kept showing up in Iraq. But he said, the more I read it, the more I understood this is different. This is different than what I've been told. This is different from the world that I live in, and it's better. As a result of him reading and studying more, he reached out to a missionary in London, England, who flew to Baghdad and baptized him in a hotel bathtub. People in the world see the difference when they actually hear what God has to say. They can see the difference between Christianity that the world has created and Christianity that God has created. They see that there are standards that God has set in place, things that cannot be crossed. Why? Not because He wants to control us or hurt us or cause us problems, but it's because He wants to help us live the best life that we can. But we also see the love and the mercy of God, a God who has really, based on power and right, has no reason to want to help us has no reason to care for us. We're nothing in His sight. But in Genesis chapter 2, He calls us very good. In James chapter 1, verse 17, He says we are a first fruits of His creatures, the best that He created. And in Genesis chapter 3, even after that creation turned against Him and rejected everything that He had given Him, he offers them a way out. He says there's coming a time when a sacrifice will be paid for this. A perfect man will die so that perfect man could be redeemed. And from Genesis all the way to Revelation, he describes how that happens. So that you and I can be sitting here today, some 2,000 years removed, and have the same hope that they did had the same opportunity that they did. So what is this faith? Faith is when I can look at this, I can hear this account of what God has given me, this story that seems greater than anything else, and based upon my understanding and my study of it, and seeing how it works out, seeing how it makes sense, that motivates me to action. It motivates me to say, okay, if this is true, then I have some changes to make. If this is true, I have a different leader to follow. And it motivates me to that action. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the motivating factor for all of us. But more than that, what does this faith do for us? What good is it? Okay, I can say I have faith and that sounds awesome. But what does it do for me? What are the benefits of having faith in God? What are the benefits of following after Him? What does He tell us we can have as a result? 
Well, first of all, it justifies us. It justifies us and gives us peace with God. If you would, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. That's Romans chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2 in particular, Paul writing to the church in Rome says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, some have taken that verse and have twisted it to their own destruction. Some have taken that verse and say, see, see, he tells us right here, we're saved by faith. To which you can respond to them, absolutely, but what does that mean? What does it mean that we are saved by faith? Does that mean I just say, okay, God, I trust in you, I put all of this on you, and then I can be saved, right? Is that the only step? Well, we see examples throughout Scripture of how that's not entirely the case. Acts chapter 9, we see how Saul was saved. How was he saved? Was he saved when he was praying to the Lord before he was ever contacted by Ananias when he was sitting in the city? Well, no, because Ananias tells him, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Up until that point, he was not saved. He had not had those sins removed. He was still holding the guilt. What about in Acts chapter 8 where we read about the Ethiopian eunuch? Where it says, He went into the water, both he and Philip, and they came out of the water and he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. Was he rejoicing before he went into the water? Was he rejoicing or did he say, what hinders me from being baptized? What about Acts chapter 16 with the Philippian jailer? When he and Paul were discussing what had happened and they taught him Jesus after he had washed their stripes and it says that they baptized him. Baptized him. Or what about Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius? What happened with him? He says, Shall any refuse water with these who have received the Spirit just as we? Think about that for a moment. Peter is telling the Jews that were present, these people have to be baptized when the Holy Spirit Himself came upon them. Now, would that make any sense if they were already saved? Wouldn't that seem a little redundant? The Scripture is riddled with examples of how God expects us to follow after Him. 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. What do you mean an answer of a good conscience, Peter? My conscience is pricked. I know that I'm in the wrong. My faith in what has been said motivates me to that action of what? Washing away my sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it justifies us. It offers us a way out. Without that, there was no opportunity for us. You and I can't save ourselves. How do I know that? By one man sin entered the world, and that man was perfect at the time. Adam and Eve, they were perfect when they came into the world. No sin had been committed. No rejection of God had taken place. But by Genesis chapter 3, that's all gone. The time they took of that fruit and rejected the will of God, a perfect man had committed sin, and a perfect man had to pay the penalty. Justice would have said Adam and Eve are wiped out, and it's over. But instead, what happened? 
God, in His infinite wisdom and mercy, looked down from heaven and said, Nope, I have another plan. There will be a sacrifice paid. My justice cannot allow that to stand. I cannot allow it to be the case that this sin is not paid for. But another will take your place. One who can actually pay the penalty. One who justice can be served, but also mercy given. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to this earth, He lived a perfect life. He never committed sin. He never rejected the law. He never made a mistake. He lived a perfect life under God. And as a result of that, people didn't like what He had to say. They did not like who He was. And what happened? They crucified Him on a cross for you and for me. They didn't know what they were doing. In their own mind, they're saying, we have finally done it. We have stamped out Christianity. Not knowing that they had literally just kick-started it. If you are someone in the world trying to stamp out a movement, it would probably be the most frustrating thing in the world to kill the leader, and it gets bigger. But that's what Christianity has done throughout every single period of history. If that's not something we can have faith in, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Because to this day, after empire, after empire, after empire, after empire, after dictator, after government has tried to shut down the Lord's preaching, there's still a congregation of the Lord's church in Cookville, Tennessee. There's still a congregation of the Lord's church in Texas. There's still a congregation of the Lord's church in New York. There's still a congregation of the Lord's church in India. There's still a congregation of the Lord's church in Poland. Need I go on? Friends, we are not on the back foot. Never have been, never will be. That's what our faith can give us. A way of looking at the world that the rest of them can't have. I can look at the world and I can see all the horrors and the atrocities and I can say, you know what? I'm glad I have a home that's not permanent here. I can say no matter what happens to me on this earth, my job doesn't change. My job doesn't change. It not only justifies us, but our hearts can also be purified by our faith. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. That's 1 Peter chapter 1. Specifically, we're going to be looking at verse 22. Let's actually start in verse 21. He says, Who through Him believed in God, who raised Him from the dead, and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in who? In God. In God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently, with a pure heart, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Notice I didn't use the word faith there. But did faith purify those hearts? Friends, we will never get in a baptistry if we do not have faith. Because we have to put a lot of faith in the fact that that water is going to work. Otherwise, we're just jumping into a tub. 
See, when we are buried with him by baptism and raised to walk in that newness of life, that's not something we see a magical light come from the baptistry. We walk by faith, not by sight. To the world, what we do looks very strange. You want, you want to know what the description of the early church was in the Roman Empire? It was kind of humorous. The Romans thought that the church was a crazy cult who were cannibalistic because they ate the Lord's body and drank the Lord's blood. They thought they were full of incest because everyone called each other brother and sister, and some of them were married. That's what they thought of the church. It looks pretty strange on paper, right? But we understand what we're talking about. We understand that this is what God had set in place. Where it's not all of these crazy things that people want to describe. It's simply obedience to the will of God. Obedience to what He has to say. So it allows us to purify our hearts when we otherwise could not. It gives us access to eternal life. How? Because our faith motivates us to obedience. You see, when people try to say that faith alone saves, faith alone can't save. Why? Because it's missing pieces. It's not faith alone that can save. It is true, godly faith that can save because that encapsulates every aspect of our works, every aspect of Christianity. No, I can't work my way to heaven. No one can say that. I cannot earn salvation. Romans 3.20, what does Romans 3.23 say? For the wages of sin is death. That's my earnings. That's what I can get. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He doesn't say that our wages for righteousness is salvation. That's not true. I'm merely doing what He has asked me to do. That's it. Not earnings. It was a gift. Something that was given to me and to you that we have through faith. That motivates us to action. You see, there are so many blessings to having this true faith. Not a blind leap in the dark. Not wishful thinking. Not belief masquerading as faith. How do I know that this is true, though? What are some examples that I have of those who had faith, but it wasn't just an acceptance? What about Noah in Genesis chapter 6? By faith, Noah, Hebrews 11 tells us, he built an ark. Think about the circumstances of that day. Had they ever seen rain before? No. They had never seen rain. So God says, I'm going to send a flood. By the way, you've never seen a flood. You don't know what that is. I'm going to send a flood. The heavens are going to open and rain is going to fall from the sky. Okay. And what did Noah do? He built the ark with the proper material, the proper way, and got his family on board. He had faith that motivated him to action. What about Abraham? Did Abraham have faith? Abraham, get thee out of thy land of thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. Where are we going, Lord? I'll tell you. Okay. What did Abraham do? He went to Sarah. They packed up and they left. I've heard preacher after preacher talk about how they wish they could have heard that conversation. 
It seems entertaining to me even. Honey, pack your things. We're leaving. Where are we going? I have no idea. We'll know when we get there. And as a result of that, they traveled over 1,500 plus miles. And they got to the land that God told them they would get to. He had faith in what he was supposed to do. But what about the apostles? History and tradition tell us that every single apostle was executed for their faith. How many of us want to sign up to be executed for what we believe in? Truth be told, there's many Christians today who can't be bothered to come to a church building because they don't like the color of the carpet. When in the first century there were people losing their lives over just naming the name of Christ. And we want to say that we're troubled today. No, the trouble is we don't have faith. The trouble is there's too many Christians who want to proclaim the name of Christ without once opening his book. There's too many Christians who want to say that I'm doing good enough because I show up to Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And there's too many Christians who say that my way is better than his. That's reality. It doesn't feel good to hear. It's not a comfortable thing to pay attention to. But it's reality. It's our reality. So hearing a message like that, we can have two options. We can continue to be the problem, or we can change it. Those are the options we have. There was a quote that was made one time that went along these lines. Man is going to be remembered for two things. The problems he causes or the problems he solves. Which are you? We all have amazing opportunities of what we can and can't do. We've come a long way in a few months. It's an exciting time. But it's easy to let that fire and that excitement die. We need true faith. A faith that is a commitment that says, I know what God can do. I've seen it happen throughout history. I've seen it happen in His book. And I've seen it firsthand. So I'm going to push forward. I'm going to be committed. I know what faith is. Is that commitment. It's that understanding. It's that motivation to continue on with what I've learned and what I know. I know what faith can do for me. I know the blessings of it. And I've seen examples of those who had true faith and what it motivated them to do. Do we have true faith? This evening, if someone were to talk to you face to face and ask you, do you have faith? How would you answer that question? Would you say, absolutely, I do knowing full well that if asked to, there are some things you will not follow God in. Would you say, absolutely, I have faith in God, but you know full well there are sins you have not made right. 
Would you say, absolutely I do, but you know you won't be here at the next service? Only you can answer that question. Only I can answer that question. Only I can look that person in the face and say, yes, I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'll prove it to you. Turn to James chapter 3. That's James chapter 3. In the book of James, we've talked about how he repeatedly wants to encourage us to keep the primary focus, which is God. To focus on what we have in Christ. And it's important that we pay attention to the first verse. He says, let not many of you be teachers, knowing sharply the greater condemnation, knowing that we will make mistakes just like I did because I told you to go to James chapter 3 instead of James chapter 2. Because in James chapter 2, starting in verse 18, James gives us a description of this faith. He tells us what it is we're supposed to be paying attention to, what we're supposed to be listening to. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect, and the Scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Friends, if I say I have faith and don't have anything to back it up, I can't prove it. I can make a claim, but where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that I truly believe in God so much so that I'm willing to do all that He has asked me to do and then some? This is our opportunity. This is our moment. If we're willing to stay committed to the Lord, willing to follow after what He has said, then we will be blessed in our works. The reality is, we are a brand new congregation. We have so many opportunities in front of us. And the reality is, if we save one soul, if one more soul is added to the Lord's kingdom, it's worth it. It's worth it. But let's not allow just one soul to be added because we didn't do anything. Let's keep that mindset of, I'm going to work for the Lord. I'm going to be committed to the Lord. I have faith in what He has told me. Maybe this evening, you haven't expressed that faith the way you should. Maybe you know there's things that are amiss in your life and you want to make them right. You don't want to say anymore that I have guilt and I have shame for not following after what the Lord has told me to do. I read the examples of Abraham and Noah and their great acts of faith and I just look in my own mirror and say, I'm not good enough. You can change that tonight. You can change that tonight. Because the prayer of a righteous man avails much, and there are a lot of righteous people in here tonight. 
who are willing to pray with you and for you to help get you back on the right track. But maybe you've never become a Christian. You've never named the name of Christ. You never follow it after what He has to say. And maybe you're listening to all of this saying, I wish that was for me. I wish that I had access to that. We can make that happen tonight. We can make that happen. All we wait for is your decision. He's made the way available. We must hear the word, Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing. We talked about that today. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have to hear the word first to believe it to be true. And upon believing that to be true, John 8, 24, I said, therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Based upon that understanding of what I've seen, what I've read, what I understand, what I've heard, I'm willing to make a change. I understand it to be fact. And that faith in what we have done motivates me to that action of I'm going to repent of all my past sins, Acts 17.30. I say I'm not following that path anymore. No, I can't wash away the guilt of that sin by repentance. I can't just repent my way out of it, but I can say I'm not following that path anymore and I'm going to the source that can save me. According to Acts 17.30, in the times of the ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And based upon that repentance, that changed mind just brings a changed life. I'm willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He is exactly who He said He was, and I'm going to follow after Him. Romans 10.10 For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And based upon that confession, that statement before witnesses, I'm willing to follow after the Lord. We can baptize you into Christ this very evening. Burying that old man of sin, raised to walk in newness of life. No more guilt, no more shame, no more fear, no more wondering, no more if, ands, or buts. A child of God. That can be you this very evening. But maybe you're not ready. Maybe you say, I, I, I want to do that, but I, I just want to know a little more first. Friends, we won't leave this room until you're ready. If it takes studying all night, probably wouldn't be the first time some of us have done that. We'll be happy to study with you so that you can be sure because it is that serious. It is that important. There's a few seats open on this front row for you to respond. For you to come forward to say, that is my decision. But it's not just at the end of this invitation song either. You can grab any of us and say, hey, I want to talk, and we'll be happy to do it. But that choice is only up to you tonight. I can't make it for you. I wish I could. You're the only one who can decide to follow after Him tonight. What will your answer be as together we stand and as we sing?